0: Good evening, everybody. This is Terry O'Donnell from Crown Beha. Once again, my weekly podcast. And I apologize because it's Friday night, cold and wet outside. But I had taken a gig job this week to kind of put me behind schedule. So last Monday, one of the companies that I contract with called me up and said, Hey, we got this job here uh, this week for a local customer. Would you be interested in doing some IT work for us? So I agreed, you know, work for about two and a half days, got the project all finished, and I'm so busy this afternoon catching up, it's now Friday night before I can get anything else done, including this little podcast. So, you know, I appreciate you being patient with me, but, you know, that's how it is. Even though I'm retired, I'm not exactly retired, retired, I still occasionally do a little gig work now and again few Hours here, a couple hours there, a couple of days there, so on and so forth. But I, I don't try to do it very often anymore. I'm getting too old for that stuff. Uh, meanwhile, as always, I'll open up the program here with my advertising. My website at uh, Crown Baha at https forward slash forward slash website x5.me. And you can find out anything you want about this podcast. Anything else, you can see what's going on with my new book I'm writing. And there's even now the back page of the website where you can see the book that I have out there for for you to purchase. Um, if you're a Kindle Unlimited holder, it's free for you with the ebook version. Um, I offer the book in paperback and ebook on Amazon Kindle. So, with that out of the way, um, you know, I do wish that folks would get into this. You know, subscriptions aren't very much. I mean, the annual annual subscription for me is $30 for Substack. And it's 5 bucks a month for Medium, you know, which comes to $45, I guess, something like that, for the year. But the big thing is it's well worth it if you like to read stuff. Again, subscription gets you access to everything, not just my stuff. You get to read about anything, and believe me, those writers out there—anything you can think of, somebody's writing about it. There's technology blogs, there's home homeschooling blogs, there's childcare—you name it. Anything you want to read, anything—if you could think about it, somebody's writing about it. So think about that. Uh, subscriptions are a good thing. So meanwhile, um. I, as usual this week, I've posted a bunch of uh, articles that uh, came up here in the last week. And I found a couple more today that I'll add to the mix. Some of it I'm, you know, I'm getting from the Middle East, Canada. I've got an article here about Nam- Namibia and Iceland. I uh, want to make everybody kind of interested. Like I said, I, I pull this stuff from all over the world. I'm, you know, I I may be here in the United States, but I'm all about world news. You know, world news is a lot of stuff that people sometimes are disinterested in. Well, it's not happening in my neighborhood. I don't want to know about it. Well, on the other hand, what happens in some neighborhood around the other side of the world may actually have a direct effect on you and your neighborhood. You just never know. So it never hurts to pay attention to what's going on around you and around the world at large. Because, believe it or not, it may very well have an impact on your life. Maybe small, but who knows? You know, it's just one of those things. So anyway, first story I have came early in the week. If anybody knows anything about what's going on, they know that is, is, the Israelis have re-elected Netanyahu as prime minister. And he's a hardline right-winger. He is all about pushing to settlements, getting rid of the Palestinians, and all that kind of stuff. He's all about fighting with the Iranians. He wants to go to war with the Iranians so bad he's foaming at the mouth. Has been for a long time. And his biggest thing is he thinks that they are a threat to the Israeli life livelihoods over there. You know, especially if they get any kind of nuclear weapons. Which, you know, the Iranians have been swearing up and down for years. No, nah, we're not doing that. We're just doing uranium for our nuclear power plants. Yada, yada, yada. And meanwhile... There was an article here this week about how the inspectors over there found some enriched uranium at about 84% grade. You know, that's, that's almost good enough to make a nuclear bomb. So it's like, okay, they're kind of getting a little close. So I'm thinking that the Israelis are probably going to get real frisky again. It's going to get interesting. Now here, the next article I have is about hate is alive in Canada and is growing. And this is an article by Andrew Mitrovica, an Al Jazeera colonist. And it's talking about rising attacks on Muslims and the shocking response of police. And courts expose Canada's willingness to tolerate hate. Well, you know, I grew up on the Canadian border as a kid. I lived on the Canadian border up there in Northern Maine 10 years after I got out of the army. And... Every time I lived up there, the prejudice up there against the French Canadians was just obvious. And it wasn't just from the Americans. The English side of Canada, you know, very, very biased against the French Canadians. Well, you kind of extrapolate that against all the Muslims and everybody else and the immigrants from Asia and from the Middle East that they have been, you know, letting in there like by the thousands, Canada in the last couple of years, has been open arms about immigration. They figured out that the more immigrants they can let in, the better for their economy. Well, they forgot about one thing. The Canadians don't have enough housing up there to accommodate them all. It's all well and great to let them in, but where are you going to let them stay? There's nothing for them to stay at. You know, they, the, rural, the rural provinces um, don't have much and can't take care of them. Ontario right now is maxed out with refugees um, and immigrants and everything else. And the housing the housing in, in Ontario is just outrageous right now. People go all over the place with no place to stay. And they're scrambling around trying to figure out how I got to make it work. But that's interesting because you know what happens when you have a lot of push and shove. A lot of people that are, you know, fighting for resources. Well, the, the original inhabitants, which happens to be the English descendants of... Um, you know, the Canadian-English descendants from England, and they're notoriously racist. They have been for thousands of years. So it's no real thing that, well, they broke off attacking the Canadians all these years to start attacking the Muslims and everybody else. I mean, you know, it's it's just a given. It's just the way it is. But that could be interesting to, uh, to kind of watch out for. And in this article, it's called Fish Rot, the corruption scandal in 20 Namibia and Iceland. So Namibia is a country in Africa, down in the southern part of the African continent. And the big thing about them guys was that they had this they had this fishing contract where they would go out there and go fishing. and there was a company up in Iceland that was that was you know invest you know, investing in all of this. So the fish, fish were you know feeding the Africans and um, the profits were headed for Iceland. Well, apparently there's a big corruption going on with that. A lot of briberies, a bunch of other stuff going on, bypassing regulations down in the media and all kinds of stuff. A bunch of people are going to jail over corruption and everything else. And it's made its all, you know, made its all the way to the corporate headquarters in, in Iceland. Now, Iceland is not a country that ever really makes it in the news. I mean, you almost never hear from them. And now, all of a sudden, this is all getting blown up over there in the European newspapers. Articles by Johannes Dell. So that could be. that. Was, I found that in BBC. And here's another, another article. This is from The Guardian. Uh, by Lisa O'Carroll and Aubrey Allegretti. Rishi Sunak agrees deal with EU over Brexit Northern Ireland protocol. Well, as I mentioned last week, they're working on a deal to get the DUP and EUP and all the other unionists over there in Northern Ireland on the happy side. And, you know, the... PM from England has been working the ways, going back and forth to the EU Council, trying to make a deal so that the uh, you know the Northern Ireland will come back and uh, integrate the you know Stormont and start setting up the executive government again. They're refusing to do it because they don't like the trade deals that they're getting. They're thinking that the English are selling them out and throwing them on the bus, which they did. Uh, now Rishi Sunak is. Is trying to fix that, but everything that they have come up with so far, the DUP has said, "Now nah, we're not doing that." Sorry, and you know they're still they're still working at it. So the last word I heard later in the week was they actually did get a deal with the EU, but the DUP still weren't happy with it, and so they're going to stick they're going to stick to their guns and and tell you know tell Great Britain, that nah, sorry, uh, you know we're done here." You know I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard anything in the last couple of days, so I don't know what they're doing over there. But still, it's going to be interesting. So then there was another article from Great Britain directly. News that the king will host EU chiefs sparks fury from the DUP and the Brexiters. Well, the Brexiters, namely the Tory party and then DUP, who are, you know, the Tories' best friends, uh, are all upset that the, the new king of England is having lunch with the EU chief. I mean, come on, it's just a state dinner at lunch, basically, and they're all upset about it. Oh, my God, you're going to, you know, you're going to compromise the deal. You're going to do this. The King shouldn't be getting involved in politics. Oh, my God, they're crying and gnashing and all kinds of stuff. That's crazy. You know, and then people over there just need to get a life. And then here's another one about the DUP. So this one is entitled, The DUP Leader Faces Stark and Binary Choice Over Any Northern Ireland Protocol Deal by Rory Carroll. He's an Ireland correspondent for The Guardian. Factions within the DUP, including powerful figures such as Sammy Wilson and perhaps also Nigel Dodds, and I know him, are expected to reject a deal that leaves the Northern Ireland subject to EU law. These factions could rally the party's grassroots, who view Brussels as a threat to their Britishness. So there it goes again. See, the DUP and the other Unionists are all so scared that even though they're in Northern Ireland, they need to maintain their Britishness, okay? They need to maintain that they are British citizens. And no matter what, that's never going to change and all kinds of crazy stuff. And they're scared to death that somebody's going to take that away from them. I'm like, get over it. I mean, come on. You were born in Ireland. You're Irish. Okay? Being British. Get over it. Ah. And then here we go. Here's one. This one here is from my favorite podcast author here in the United States, Tom Hartman. I picked this one up earlier in the week. Do religious sadists want to see sinning women suffer? What we're seeing today in these attempts to regulate women's behavior is a simple extension of religious fundamentalism and patriarchy that goes back as far as ancient Samaria. And the article goes on about how patriarch-type religions date all the way back to the most ancient times in history and all through Christianity, Islam, and everywhere else. You know, it's been around for thousands of years. And especially here in the United States... There's a whole lot of people that are scared to death that these white Christian nationalists are going to turn this country into a theocracy and make that a big thing. You know, imagine making Protestant Christianity the national religion and enforcing everybody to be, um, you know, to be believers. And if not, you're going to be punished. Truthfully, that could happen. I mean, it could happen. You know, that's part of my new book right now that I'm writing. I'm about halfway done with it. If anybody's read the first five chapters so far, you'll know that's where that's heading. So, you know, that's an article that's probably uh, would be interesting to read for anybody, especially anybody who's interested in women's rights. And, I'm, you know, I've maintained before I'm pro-choice. I firmly believe that a woman should have the same rights to her body as a man does. Uh, nobody, be, Nobody should be telling a woman what to do with it. And so on and so forth. Same way with nobody Nobody should be telling anybody what religious faith they need to believe in. I think the world should have free choice. Nobody should be telling anybody how they live their life. Period. Okay? I'm just, I'm adamant about that. And I time I see this stuff, you know, it kind of makes me a little angry. So the next one I have is the U.S. delivers a reality check. New border deal with Canada, not a top priority. So let's talk about this a little bit. From somebody who grew up and in later years lived near the border, as I mentioned earlier, one of the things I found out is that the northern, um, the northern border between the United States and Canada is about as porous as you can get, okay? It's like cheesecloth. There's so many places between Washington State and northern Maine that you can cross the border with pretty much no intervention. I mean, I found a place. Years ago, I was out snowmobiling. And is my typical way. I always go out in the woods by myself. I have to come on this open place between some trees. And there was a snowmobile trail running right up the middle. And I thought, wow, well, what's this? So I nosed my machine up, got off of it, and I walked out in this open space. And I tripped over this little concrete pillar sitting in the ground. So I kicked the snow away from it. And it said U.S. on one side and Canada on the other. And I thought, wow, this is the Canadian border. I'm right here. And then I got to looking around. There's no fences. There's no guards. There's no border patrol. No tracks that they have even been there. And I thought, man, if I wanted to come across the border and if I had, you know, I I told my friend this. If I had any military training whatsoever and I really wanted to come across into the United States and do some bad things, here's a perfect place for it. There's nobody watching it. I mean, it's just me. And Almost, you could hide your tracks in the snow, walk across, and nobody ever knew you were there. I thought to myself, "Yep, yeah, here we go." <laughs> and they were worried about the 9/11 terrorists, and you know, and they came across regular border crossings. Well, them guys didn't have any military training or not very much, and they made it across. Imagine if a, a small platoon of of terrorists with military background. I mean, there's numerous places between. You know, the West Coast and East Coast where these guys could cross and nobody would ever know it. Imagine that. So here's the deal with this story, though, is that all these immigrants coming here to the United States, a lot of them don't like it here in the United States, so they're trying to cross into Canada. Where are they going? Well, they're going to cross these porous spots that I was just telling you about. Now, one in particular that's up near uh, upstate New York and New Hampshire. uh, It's a very popular one, apparently. And they're catching people up there all the time trying to cross over. Um, I was reading something today where there's a bunch of immigrants up there in Canada who aren't happy with Canadian uh, immigration, and they're trying to come across the border illegally in the United States from the northern side. And a couple of them froze to death here because they tried to do it this winter. I'm like, well, you know, first of all, they... Weren't too smart trying to cross in the middle winter up up in a northern part of the United of uh, the North American continent. I mean that's that's not real smart. You know anybody will tell you that. But uh, on the other hand, it just goes to show you that the border is pretty much a two-way street. You got folks in the United States who aren't happy with the well, with the United States want to sneak into Canada, and then vice versa. You got folks up there not happy with Canada, and they're trying to get in the United States. I'm like. Wow, you know, it's like uh, revolving doors. And then there's this thing, here's another thing about um, immigrants, Uh story out of California. This is from www.kqed.org news by F- Farida Javala Romero. Uh, I probably didn't say her name right. Uh, but the big thing is, there's a bunch of detainees out there uh, by the ICE Anyway, big thing. They're on a hunger strike. So they're one of these detention camps in California, and they're being abused severely out there by by um, Homeland Security. And they're, they're striking by way of hunger strike. Uh, and apparently it's getting pretty serious. And the thing is, this detention facility is run by a private contractor. So pretty much the government's saying, here here's a bunch of money. We don't care what you do inside. Uh, just don't let these people run around out there in public. And... Here we go apparently it's getting pretty serious so now we're going to switch gears I found this other story and this goes to racism okay which we all know here in North America and as I mentioned it's not just the United States the Canadians are, are rife with it as much as the Americans are and this this here is in the United States now this is from Texas now it's no surprise Texas has been being on the news with all of their immigration woes. Oh, we're being flooded across the southern border. Somebody needs to do something about it. We need a wall. We need National Guard. We need this. We need that. Stop the tide and all that kind of stuff. Big thing about this is the governor down there has been doing all this for a while. But so here's a, here's a Democratic representative from California. Name is Judy Chu. She's from China. She's Chinese immigrant or, you know, Chinese American. I shouldn't say immigrant. She's Chinese American. Okay. And this Texas Republican questioned her loyalty to the United States because she's friends with, you know, this new Biden appointee. And she's the first Chinese American woman elected to Congress. She's responding to Representative Lance Gooden from Texas, who's a Republican. She's a Democrat. About her, supportive by the pointy, says that the FBI... This guy says that the FBI should investigate her. Well, not only her, but he wants to investigate a bunch of other puffs. So, here's the thing. You got a bunch of Asian legislators. Apparently all Democrats. Different states. And this guy from Texas wants the FBI to investigate all of them. So, just to give you an idea who he's talking about. Okay? This guy is he's accusing her of being in bed with the ccp he added that he believed chu had acted as a ringleader and dragged along the other chinese american members of the caucus and supporting eng who's the biden appointee now Rep. representative Liu and ming are taiwanese american and takano is a japanese american okay they're not even Chinese. Yet he's accusing them all of being in bed with the CCP. So it goes to show you just how ignorant this Texas man is. Okay? I'm, I'm sorry. Most of these people from Texas are just flat ignorant. Okay? Is, there's no excuse for that. Especially since these people are supposed to be elected officials, college graduates, and whole, you know, all kinds of stuff. But apparently they went to college and didn't learn anything. I don't know. There you go. Paid for a big education and got nothing out of it. So here's another story. And this is one. This is a story about climate, migra- uh, climate migrants. The Great Displacement looks at communities forever altered by climate change. This was in NPR.org by Michael Schaub. And you can find it on Facebook, Twitter, Flipboard, email, whatever Flipboard is. And it's a book review. The book was by Jake Biddle. Now, he's pretty famous for climate stuff. It's talking about Christian patriots are flocking from Blue States to Idaho in the Washington Post by Jack Jenkins. About how right-wing Christians are leaving Blue States to join Protestant churches near Coeur Lane in Idaho to be involved in a Christian takeover of the United States. Only they can't figure out which version of the Christian religion they want. And that's the thing about what's interesting about this article is the fact that you got a whole bunch of Protestant Christians running around up there. They all flocked to Idaho Idaho, um, to join this so-called Great Revolution. They want to run the country, white Christian nationalism, and they want some brand of whatever. The problem is they all got together up there, decided to do a bunch of infighting because they couldn't figure out which brand of Protestant religion they wanted the country to have. So now they're fighting over it. So, you know, while they're fighting over it, the rest of us are going to laugh at them and say, yeah, you guys are just stupid. (laughs) But I feel bad for the people up there in Idaho, though. I do. Uh, it's, a shame, uh, that they, you know, it's a shame that you know, shame that they got to go through all that. Now I'm gonna switch gears again. This uh, this one here is about our federal government, uh, and this one's I picked this one out because it's kind of near and dear to my heart a little bit. Um, I don't know if I've said anything to you or if you've been to my website, but I'm retired army. Did had a long career, went overseas a lot of times, did things for the American government that I won't talk about. Uh, some things I still can't talk about because they're classified, uh, but that's a whole other animal. But this one here is entitled "The Army Secretary Shoots High for Recruiting Goals Despite Crisis in Finding Enlistees." Reports. Now this one was in Fox News, which I very rarely do anything with Fox News. I hate them people with a passion. They're all a bunch of liars, money grubbers. Most of what they publish is fake misinformation. But once in a while, something catches my attention. This happened to be one of them. Stories by Greg Winter: Army missed goals by 15,000 recruits last year, to, in large part, to unqualified candidates. All the services are, are suffering. Now, here's the big thing about this. I've been watching this for years. And during the Iraq War, and Afghanistan too, to agree, but mostly Iraq War, we used up pretty much all we had. And then after that was over with and all we were doing was running over there doing, you know, teaching Afghans how to take care of themselves. Our recruiting goals went way down. People didn't want to enlist anymore. Nobody wanted to go to war. And they had better things to do over here. Jobs, the job market was really good. And everybody thought, well, you know, I can make more money doing stuff here. Don't have to worry about military and all that kind of good stuff. So recruitments went way down. And they found out that the majority of the people who did want to go in were overweight, out of shape, had drug problems, criminal records, all kinds of stuff. So with all that going on, they didn't want to lower their standards. So they found out that, oh my God, we can't get enough bodies here. enough bodies on the ground to, to do what we need to do. So it's a real big deal. The Army is suffering massively. The other services are also suffering, but they're managed to make up their shortfalls By some end rounds, the army couldn't even do that. They were 15,000 short. So now she's saying that for 2023, we're going to figure out how to make that up. You know, so they're going to meet their regular goal plus an additional 15,000. And I'm thinking, well, if you couldn't do it last year, good luck with trying to do it this year. I mean, I feel bad for you, but sorry. I don't think it's going to happen. Here's another article um, that I had. This is from Yahoo News. By Ed Mazza. Oh, this is the article. Mehdi Hassan reveals why kook Marjorie Taylor Greene is so very dangerous. And this article goes on about, we all know she's an idiot, but the problem is that her district elected her, because apparently they're just as much idiots as as she is. The problem is, you know, I mentioned this here a couple weeks ago, and they're still talking about it, how she called for a national divorce, splitting red states from blue ones. Nobody's going to go for that obviously, but the fact that she feels strongly enough to even mention it in public is a big deal. There's a lot of people listening to her and they are dangerous. Uh, that's a really bad deal, okay? So that's something when it kind of kind of somebody needs to pay attention to. You know, I'll be watching out for that kind of stuff. Uh, I got another article here about corruption. Career training companies scooping up federal funds with no oversight here, story in the Washington Post by Meredith Klaudner and Sarah Buttramowitz. I probably didn't, I probably didn't say that one right either. How for-profit tech schools take money from students and deliver very little for that? Now I have firsthand experience with that. So back in 2020, the VA allowed me to go to a school courtesy of the VA money. And it was free for me. I went to an IT tech school. Now, I've been doing IT work since the early 1990s. But I never went to a formal school. Well, I had gone to one formal school for it. The VA's willing to let me go to another one. I was all about that. So I went to 10 months. I went to a 10-month school. School cost $18,000 in tuition. Now, there was a lot of other veterans in my class and a couple of classes, you know, before me and after me. The problem is this school was taking the money and they weren't delivering the goods. And we complained to the VA about it and tried to have them investigated and all that kind of stuff, which I think went nowhere. school was in Austin, Texas. But the big thing about this whole business was I realized from the get-go that these guys were scamming these students. They were bringing kids in, uh, young men who had no experience at all in IT, and maybe the same thing for their nursing program, I don't know. But I know that in the IT program I went to, it was labeled how to make, you know, how to teach you how to be a network engineer. Well, you know, a network, an IT network engineer is way above uh, pay grade-wise than an IT technician. But I thought, well, you know what? I've been a technician for 20 years. I'm all about going higher on the, on the, on the pay scale. So I went through the course, you know, being experienced. I, I was at the top of my class. I graduated number one, number two, I think number one or number two in a class. But the big thing about it was a lot of kids dropped out because they couldn't handle the curriculum. And of course, the school kept their money and it was a big deal. And a lot of guys were complaining that they weren't getting the quality of education they were promising. And I was right there with them. I knew right away that everybody was being scammed. And here we go with another one. This is This is not my school, but this was a school that they were talking about where they were taking money. And not giving anybody the education. And promising them jobs. And they weren't happening. And that's what happened to me. They promised me uh, that I would you know, get a lot of help getting a job. And yeah, they lied. Uh, I had to do it all on my own. Which I did. But it was a struggle. It was a struggle trying to find work coming out of that school. Um, I was very fortunate. But uh, you know, a lot of guys aren't. And it's a shame. Here's another article here by Sandeep Bahison. In the New Republic. And it talks about the shadow empire that fuels Amazon's dominance. And that's the name of the article. And the big thing about it is it talks about not just Amazon, but corporations. And the big thing about Amazon, for example, is what they used, is that Amazon is not just the online retailer that we all think it is. They have multiple fingers and multiple pies around the world doing all kinds of stuff. And because they're so diversified... And that the way they run their company, that if anybody ever came after them, they wouldn't go anywhere. Uh, you might get a little chunk out of them, but the rest of the the best, the rest of the mega corporation would just keep right on going, and probably wouldn't even, uh, you know, probably wouldn't even skip a step. So, you know, that's a that's kind of a worrisome thing because there's been a whole lot of talk out there recently about how global corporations are trying to take over the world. We already know they're influencing governments because the United States is a perfect example. Uh, But it's not just the United States. A lot of other countries around the world are also being influenced by all this stuff. Australia is one of them. Uh, They've been in, in the news lately about some of their stuff. But the big thing about it is these corporations are now global and they have their hands on a lot of pies around the world and it's a big deal. And that's why they call it this Shadow Empire here. I talked a little bit before about child labor here in the United States. You know, we've all heard for decades stories from Africa, poor countries in Asia about kids working and all kinds of stuff like that. Well, you know, everybody always said the United States was above all that. Canadians were above all of that. And largely Canadians aren't really involved with this. They they don't have much of an issue with this. You know, unless you, you know, consider indigenous tribes that That's another animal. But the big thing here in the United States is it's becoming more and more of a thing. More and more child labor is starting to show up in the news feeds because it's happening. I mean, there's 10, 13, 14-year-old kids working alongside adults out there in the fields, working in the meatpacking plants, working other places. And the excuse these employers have is, we're so desperate for labor, we'll take anybody, even kids. Well, you know, it's against the law in the United States. And as I mentioned before, a week or so ago, how companies are trying to change that law. But they haven't changed it yet. Okay? So what you're doing is illegal. But yet, it's being overlooked by our government. Okay? And I'm thinking that somebody's being bought off here. You know, they're allowing these kids to to work uh, instead of being in school. And, you know, being in school is another animal. They're allowing them to be in school uh, or out of school working. And to me, that's no excuse. And then they're getting hurt and nobody's doing anything about it. There's no safety protocols for them, all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, come on, we're going back to the early, early 20th century and 19th century here. That companies are so desperate to make money that they're willing to kill people over it. I mean, especially kids. I mean, come on. You're going to kill kids just because you're desperate for a dollar? There's something seriously wrong with that. And here's another story along with that. It's it's entitled, Enslaved Workers Are Making Your Breakfast. Wisconsin Confronts Labor Trafficking. Okay. So this goes back to a story in the Wisconsin Examiner, how immigrants are coming from, you know, South America, Central America, looking for work. But the word is out down there that Wisconsin dairy farms will hire you. We don't care if you're legal or illegal. Just come on up here and go to work. We're desperate. Come on. So they're they're coming across, signing up for asylum. ISIS said, okay, you're signed up, you got a court date, go. And these folks are headed north. And you know, they're headed for California to the agricultural fields, they're headed up north to Wisconsin to the dairy farms. And they're going to work for these farmers for nothing. Room and board, basically. Uh, Not much more than that. They're getting hurt. They're getting killed. Uh, There was a story about this. uh, You know, I told you about the story. uh, The guy's kid got killed by a tractor. And he had no choice to bring him. Uh, Couldn't leave him home. Uh, And, you know, he couldn't watch him either. So the kid got out there and and, uh, unsafe and got run over by a tractor. Well, the story here is that that's not that it's... Kids are dying so much, but these immigrants are dying up there in in safety accidents, and nobody's doing much about it. They're investigating, but nobody speaks Spanish up there, so they don't really know what's going on. They don't get the full story. Uh, You know, it's a real big deal. Um, Ruth Conniff was the writer for this one, for the Wisconsin Examiner. And then here's another story. In India, the push for a Hindu national government outlawing Islam and Sikhs is gaining more ground every year, especially very recently. Imagine what could happen in a war of Hindus and Muslims in India. Would Pakistan and Bangladesh get involved to provide support for the Muslims? They hate India, so it very well could happen. And this is uh, this is out of the CBC. I got this from the CBC News in Canada. Large Indian population up there, and apparently this nationalist group is making a lot of headways up there. But the big thing about this is you think about us it, on the broad stroke. India right now is in turmoil over all the Muslims against the Hindus. The Hindus claim that the country's theirs. The Muslims are coming in from the northern, you know, the northern countries like Pakistan, Bangladesh, Afghanistan. The Sikhs have been there for you know forever, and there's always been you know a lot of tension between them, a lot of difficulties, stuff like that, and of course. Pakistan and the you know, India hate each other I mean it's a it's a that's been a deal for decades uh, and the worst part is they both got nuclear weapons so that's scary in and out and uh, Bangladesh has also had a a thing against India so the, the upshot of it is India has a lot of enemies over there and if the Hindus in India get a headway and do everything they can to push the Muslims, And the Sikhs out completely, it could really roll into something really big over there. Because Pakistan is a Muslim country, and so is Bangladesh. Although Bangladesh, I think, has a lot of Hindus as well. But it doesn't really matter because Pakistan and Bangladesh hate India. So anything that India does that that they feel like they can push back against, you can bet that they probably will. And it could blow up really bad over there someday. And believe, and whatever they do over there, it's going to affect us here. Even this, you know, halfway around the world, it will still have probably some economic economic impact on the United States, without a doubt. Especially with India, uh, you know, having such a, a large worldwide thing, especially in the tech industry. So here's here's another story. This is about our GOP party, grand grand old party Republicans. What do the GOP seditionists offer us other than ripping America apart in oligarchy? This is another story from Tom Hartman this week. Pitting Americans against each other by race, geography, and even politics, when simultaneously invoking bloodshed as a justified outcome, is as anti-American as it gets. Well, I was reading another article today about this fascism that they're all talking about. And that's basically what's going on. Tom Hartman wrote this article today, and I've got it pulled up right here. This one's entitled, What will happen to everyone who is not white, straight, and male if we don't speak out? Fascists always start by declaring themselves the victims of others. Victimhood is essential to the fascist worldview at its core. He goes on to talk about Nazism back in the 1930s how they first started picking on LGBTQ people over there back in the early 1930s because they were weak and not very many of them. And then they started moving their way through the Jews and so on and so forth. Well, the thing is that the same thing is happening here in the United States. The same playbook. They're starting out with the the LGBTQ people and demonizing them and doing everything they can to, to get rid of them and everything else. But it's only a stepping stone for other things. Once they get their way with them, they're going to find somebody else to pick on. Maybe the Jewish people again. Or, you know, the, the Nazis went after the Jews. They went after any Africans. They went after anybody they didn't like. If you weren't blonde and blue-eyed and white-skinned in Germany back in the 1930s, you were pretty much the enemy. And there, the GOP in this country right now, they're starting that up here. Uh, and that's getting kind of scary. I gotta wonder what's going to happen in the future here if we don't put a stop to it. You know, that's the worst part about it is that it seems like the United States is split half and half. Half the people want that, the other half trying to fight against it. And it's, it's like a big tug of war and nobody's winning right now. And then the last thing I got for you here is an overseas article, Mal Jazeera, by Marwan Bishara unreliable U.S. leadership in the shadow of elections. And what he's talking about in his article is that overseas, they're looking at the United States. It's like, okay, what's going to happen in 2024? If these nut jobs take over the country, what's going to happen to the United States and what's going to happen to their foreign, what's going to happen to their foreign policy? So the white, I want to say white Christian nationalists, but the nationalists, period. Don't necessarily have to be Christians, but they all are. I mean that's that's just to give it. But the nationalists here in the United States, if they take over in 2024, that's one of the first things they're gonna do, is they're gonna jerk all the foreign money that they have been sending overseas, like to Ukraine for example, and they're gonna bring it back to the United States. Now are they gonna spend it on anything here in the country? No. They're not going to do any domestic spending. They're just going to stop spending it overseas. So all these things like helping Ukrainians fight out the Russians, well, that will go away. And all this food aid money and stuff for like Africa, that would go away. We basically would stop sending money to anywhere outside the United States. Now, where would that money go? Well, it would go right into the corporate pocket. Okay, I guarantee you. If the Republican Party were to do all that, the money would run right back into some corporate pockets. Those are the guys who are putting these guys up to it in the first place. The only reason they're doing this is because they don't like taxpayer money going overseas. They want the taxpayer money to go to their pockets. they don't want to go to they don't want to go into a foreign country so that's what nobody is really talking about is that the GOP is owned by these corporations both American and global. And that's the reason why they're pushing all this stuff is because they're beholden to their benefactors and the benefactors are the ones who are saying, no, we don't want to send any money overseas. We don't want to take care of anybody overseas. We want that money for ourselves. We want all that taxpayer money. Well, you guys aren't paying any taxes now. I mean, what more do you want? Come on. But hey, I tell you what, it's just how it is. Greed is greed. Once you get the hook, you can't let go, and no matter how much money you have, it's never enough, and that's the big problem with that. It's like a disease; you just can never get enough money, and you're you're willing to you're willing to get it at the expense of anybody you can think of. You know, and unfortunately, that's the way the world works anymore. Um, you know, and that's a big problem. I I don't know. I I don't really don't understand. Where the world goes with this stuff. I don't know how it's all going to end up. But it's it's getting kind of scary. It's really starting to get really scary. I know I've got to the point now where, you know, I leave I leave where I live and head out of state. And I get to where I'm going to have to carry a gun. Because it's not safe anymore. Uh, you know, I talked to my wife about it. Um, and, you know, we're going to take a vacation this year. And I told her, I said, yeah, I'm going out of state. I'm packing. I said, there's too many crazy people out there running around. You know, my my wife is, you know, is is an immigrant uh, from another country, and it's taken her a long time to understand just how dangerous the United States is, because when she came to the country 10 years ago, um, she had this golden eyed view of America. It was the greatest place in the world, like so many immigrants do around the world, Uh, not just from her country, but from countries all over the place. They all come to America as the shining beacon to welcome people with freedom, a good chance to earn a money, uh, and and earn a good living, and all kinds of stuff, and they they get here, and they find out that, oh no, that's not true. The American dream is dead. It died decades ago. The American dream is only for a certain group of people here in this country, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. If you're not part of that group, then now you get the dregs that's left over when they get done with it, and they are fighting tooth and nail to hang on to every dollar they can get their hands on which goes to show that not all of them are in that group. So it used to be it encompassed all of them, no matter what your economic strata. If you're a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant in the United States, you were privileged. Well, that's changed. Now, that only applies to people who are upper middle class and beyond. If you, The United States really doesn't have a middle class anymore. That's been gutted. You know, income levels being what they are and so on and so forth. Now, what used to be middle class is now lower middle class or worse. They're being, you know, they're being segregated out saying, okay, you're too poor for us. Yeah, we know you're like us. You you have the same religion. You have the same color skin, but you're poor. So we don't want anything to do with you. You can't be part of our group. I mean, it's getting that way. But, you know, all these poor people are the ones who were crying, you know, make America great again and run around with red hats and, and flags, and confederate flags and all this other stuff, thinking that Donald Trump was going to be the next messiah for them. And when that didn't happen, um, now they're trying to figure out who's going to be the next one. And so that's a big problem. And that's what everybody who really is paying attention to this stuff is scared of for 2024, because. You know, as everybody around the world knows, Donald Trump obviously is making a big deal about it. He's running for president again. Now, anybody with any kind of brains whatsoever knows that he probably doesn't have any chance of making it. He's not even, probably not even going to be, you know, in the primary. But he's going to try anyway. Everybody right now, though, is watching Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. He's an Italian-American, and he's he's a very, very smart Trump wannabe. Okay? He definitely would turn this country on its ear and make it a white Christian theocracy in his name. And he would turn this place upside down and he would shut off foreign funding. He would shut off a whole lot of stuff. And what would he do with the money? Well, that's a good question. Right now, he's gutting the Florida educational system and putting a chokehold on everything. He's Want to fight recently over Disney World down there as far as uh, taxing and all kinds of stuff. And everybody's wondering how that's going to play out. Disney World being one of the biggest employers, it would be really, really expensive for that corporation to pull up stakes and move somewhere else. I mean, it would be impossible for them probably. But not totally impossible. I mean, they could do it, but it would just cost them a whole lot of money. And I'm sure they're probably not willing to do that. So they're going to make nice, do what they can to get along with this governor uh, for now, see how it all plays out. You know, and that's going to be interesting. Not that I really care about Disney World. It's not real big on my hit parade, far as it goes. But it's the fact that this governor, though, thinks that he can be an autocratic governor down here in Florida and get away with doing whatever he wants to. And all these other red state governors are watching him with high interest. Because they figure, well, if he can get away with it, then maybe we ought to try it in our state. Well, if a whole lot of these red states follow his example, that spells trouble for the United States. It's a real good possibility that someday, 10, 15, 20 years from now, then yeah, the red states could possibly try to break away. You know, it's it's a very real possibility. So, you know, something to think about. You know, I hate to see that because I'll still be alive by then and... It could really change things in this country. Seriously change things. And that's, you know, that's something I don't want to see. Because usually when you have big change, you got a lot of fighting. A lot of people don't like change. A lot of people want change. And they get in a big fight. And, you know, people who get in fights, usually a lot of people end up dead and hurt. Uh, A lot of people, most of the people end up poor. um, Looking for handouts. You know, handouts such as food. Because usually when you have fighting on that scale... That's one of the first things that goes away is food and, you know, food and shelter. You know, So you're going to have a lot of, you'll have a lot of internal refugees here in the United States looking to get away from all the fighting. <laughs> Won't that be pretty? We'll just become another third, uh, third world copy of a, of a Middle Eastern country. Imagine the United States looking like uh, Palestine or Syria right now. That would be kind of crazy. But, you know, it's, a, you know what, it's, it's kind of kind of, kind of turning a corner and almost heading in that direction. Almost. I mean, we've got a long way to go yet, but if we keep going down the road we are, I can actually see that happen in about 20 years. I really can. You know, yeah, I'll still be, I should still be alive by then. I'll be pretty old, but I should still be alive to see it. Not that I want to. You know, I'm definitely not going to be clapping on the sideline, as far as that goes. So that's all, uh, that's all the news I have for this week. I hope I made this a little bit interesting. I find that I'm getting better at doing this broadcast far as it goes. I'm getting a little less self-conscious about it. Again, you know, if you want to know more about who I am, I have my website to you again. It's called krambeha at https colon forward slash four slash five two seven dot website x five dot me. And I also have a somewhat of an autobiography uh, on my Amazon book webpage. Uh, if you look up the Milk Run, it's got my name on it, you know, my Gaelic name. I should say the Gaelic spelling of my name. And if and there's, a, there's an author's page there. And there's a little more detail about who I am, you know, and you can go read that. But the big thing about it is I want to do this for a while. I kind of want to, as I said, my whole goal is to bring you guys the news around the world of things that may affect you that generally most people just breeze by in the news feeds. okay? This is stuff that's out there. I'm um, picking it up. And in some way or another, it could definitely affect your life, okay? Uh, you may not think it does, but believe it or not, it very much could, okay? Which is why I want to bring it to you. Now, what you do with it is on you. Uh, you can ignore it, okay, uh, or not. Well, I hope you don't. Uh, and again, if you want to know more stuff, subscribe to substack or medium.com and if you do it under my articles on my webpage i get a little credit for it Uh, same thing with substack Uh, if you go to my web pages on either one of those publications hit the subscribe button i get a little something out of it you get more out of it for little tuppence from you guys you guys get a whole world view of all these articles from around the world and I mean it, these people are writing from around the world about everything you can think of. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out. So with that, I'm going to close out for the night. Uh, we've got a, pretty close to an hour here. Uh, I've done all the commercials I can do for you. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. I hope you. I've given you something to think about. And, uh, you know, if you have any questions, hit me up. You can always leave me a message on the publications. I mean, I have a contact page on the, on my website where you can leave a little message and I'll write back to you. I guarantee it. I'll send you a nice little email if you reach out to me. Um, you know, if you have any questions about anything. By all means. Uh, I've got a couple of social media chats. Twitter. I'm on Twitter. At, uh, Crown Baha, And I have, you know, Substack has their, their social media uh, channel that you can get in on. Medium is starting up here. They're advertising this Mastodon, which I'm not signed up for yet. Well, I'm getting ready to check it out this weekend. I had a friend of mine over in the Medium thing that I write back and forth with, and he recommended it, so I'm probably going to check it out this weekend. So, you know, there's multiple avenues to talk to me if you so choose to do so. And, you know, I'm pretty good about writing back. Uh, I don't blow people off, you know, unless you're mean to me. Uh, you know, then I might. But uh, if you're... If you've just got general questions or you just want to say hi, you know, by all means, reach out. Like I said, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, look for Cranbeha, C R A N N B A B E T H A D H on Twitter, you know, on the Internet, so on and so forth. Uh, again, it's uh, I'll let you go, uh, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Have a good week.